was it Facebook? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was like a mint. Oh, the mint mojito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't yeah. Even, I don't even like mint, but I was into it. I brought a, I brought him to Facebook because it's just a whole different world out there. But that's that Bay Area life. Oh, dude, it was, it was awesome. Ooh, we gotta my, go back again. My whoop, man. My whoop says I had a good training day today. Yeah. <laughs> My perceived rate of oh, exertion yeah, yeah. was, uh, I would Hello. say, Are you on more? hard. Uh, no, no. Twelve. You have your uh, whoop, uh, like wristband thing, right? I have the whoop. You have to put in a little extra effort tonight because I heard that uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon is in the house. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's making his <laughs> making his return. Uh oh. What's it like having him around? Is he does he pop into like the locker room and stuff like that? Is no. he around a lot, or you don't see him? No, <laughs> he uh, he hides and then he is in. Uh, or like gorilla, you know, like yeah. right, right before you go out to the ring, he sits in his little chair and then he gets on his limo and goes to his jet. He's every once in a while he gets lost walking around the hallways. And that's about it. <laughs> who who is uh kind of like in charge of you guys? Like, is it like Triple H and those guys? Or dude, there's just so many people now. You know what mm. I mean? There's a person for everything. So you know, there's two people in talent relations. There's like a head referee. There's you know a bunch of match producers, and then you have. A, team of writers that do the promos so there's just everyone's got everyone puts in a little bit of effort in you know specialized areas as opposed to like vince is the dictator right. but he's got yeah. minions that handle all the menial tasks See, how long has he been doing that for vince is it forever <laughs> uh, was, i mean his dad did it he was born yeah. into it he bought he bought the company from his dad uh in the 80s i want to say 70s or 80s is there is there somebody in the locker room that you look to like when you come back from your match and somebody's like hey seth you're looking a little soft or <laughs> they give you advice on like a move or or some rhythm to the match like is there somebody back there that you're like uh you're kind of relying on? i know you've been doing it for a long time but there's yeah. always somebody right well yeah for me in my mind it's um i i'm that guy now okay yeah so i've been doing it that long that i'm that guy that people ask that question too awesome. so for me i that's cool not that i i don't answer to anybody but the only people i i talk to are uh you know triple h and vince as far as like what what is what do you see right. you know because they're the only people that not not that there's other not, there's other experienced guys back there who have the information but they're the ones that i want yeah, you know what i mean you, you want the, the feedback yeah I, those they're the yeah. feed, they're the guys and and one of those one things too is like you don't want to some t some guys are like they ask everybody for feedback and then you just get different, every, too much, too much feedback, yeah. too much response. And how much of the feedback do you think they're trying to like throw you off your game a little bit too? <laughs> <laughs> well, some, some guys might. And I mean, maybe back in the day when the culture was a little different and, um, but now we're so much of a family and the guys, you know, people are around each other so much that I feel like we all want success for each other. I mean, everybody wants the quote unquote top spots, but at the same time, like if, if I do well, then everyone does well. Cause we're right. all bringing people in. Andrew, how are we? By We're the way? running. Oh no, oh. we've been running this whole time. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, how much time do you have? You have like forty-five minutes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're on the clock, so baby. I'm, I'm gonna do a quick little. I'll, I'll just intro what we're sure. doing here, right? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. We are here with Colby Lopez, aka Seth Rollins, WWE superstar, and uh, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. And I've been wanting to get you on the Amrat Mentality podcast for a while because. I feel like you embrace this idea of as many reps as possible, and I want to talk about that today. But we were uh, we're in Sacramento, and I have a really good friend in Sacramento. His name's Mark Bell, hey, a aka Smelly, and uh, we were at his gym, super training gym, and we just got in a great workout. And so we're all sitting here, and you know, Mark, you obviously have a big background with wrestling, and um, you know, Colby, you have a huge me, background me too. With, yeah, I got a yeah, background with wrestling, <laughs> a little bit. But I'd love to um, kind of start the conversation off by talking about your work ethic. You know, we're sitting here and we just got done doing a great training session. And Mark and I are sitting and we're thinking, man, this guy travels a couple times a week. Last night you were in San Jose at a big event. Yep. Today you're, you're um, doing a show in Sacramento. Yeah, you're coming in here and you're busting your butt in the gym. And then you're traveling constantly. You've been doing this for years. And so I want to kind of back up. I was listening to a podcast and you were talking about... Um, how as a young kid, you looked up to uh, Hulk Hogan and you wanted to be kind of, you aspired to be that. And you've been driven and focused for a very long time. And when you were 18, you kind of started really pursuing wrestling. Yep. And so what kind of started your whole like work ethic? Where is that coming from? Because I imagine you're a guy that's just all in. Yeah. Where does that stem from? And, and what... I want to talk a little bit more about that. I, I firmly believe that it was uh, the environment that I grew up in. 
uh, just my parents, the, their work ethic and my grandparents, like they were all, I, cause I grew up in a really small Midwestern town, like less than a thousand people, not a single stoplight anywhere. You know, the mailman delivered to a post office. There's no, like we had to drive into the town to go to the grocery store. But like my parents were very like work driven, work oriented. And we weren't, you know, uh, we weren't poor. We weren't, we were just middle-class, just regular folks in a little house in the Mm -hmm. corner, you know? Um, but they always, uh, put that work ethic into me. And my dad, um, who's not my biological father, he adopted me when I was two, uh, last name Lopez and his parents coming from a Hispanic background, like they are always about the hustle. So just always work, 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 work. So they would, you know, they put me to work at an early age, just, (laughs) just doing little things like chores and yard work and stuff like that. But it was always sort of incentive based in the sense that like, you know, you do this work and you're praised and you get something behind it. So for me, I think that stuck with me as I got older is like, if you work hard, something good will come out of it. And so they never complained. They never moaned. They were never like, Oh, we want more. We need this. You know, they were just like, you go to, you go to work, you do your job. You're thankful for what you have gratitude. Obviously you want to move up in the world, but it was never like, um, you know, it just work always felt like the means to an end to me. It felt like that was the way to get how I, where I wanted to go. And, and, and it seemed to work every step of the way I would put in the work, I would get the opportunities. And then if I, you know, when, you know, preparation meets opportunity, that's where you get the success, hopefully. So, um, that to me, that's where it comes from. How, how do you get yourself to the gym? Is it just automatic? Like, have you learned over the years, if you don't get in the car in the city that you're in and just head to the gym that it ain't going to happen? Have you kind of like learned that over the years? Yeah. I mean, dude, you know, you guys know how it is. Fitness becomes a bit of an addiction, you know what I mean? And and probably in a chemical way, but it's, it's, it's a mental vibe. Like I just feel so much better when I get a workout in and, and the cool thing about CrossFit with the community and it's been great for me, it's made fitness fun. Whereas, you know, back in the day it was like, Oh, go to the gym, get your sets and reps in, put your headphones on and like shut out the world. Like after, after you do that, for years it's a lonely existence but like crossfit is cool like today we had what six six people working out today yeah, yeah. right so, uh, just good a, vibes a pushing night. each other yeah and so that that is the incentive and i i told mark before i came in here he's like oh i can't wait to see you. and i'm like just wait i'm I'm, a, I'm gonna be a sad sack today man because i'm i was exhausted i was tired yeah. but once we got in here started moving around and like you know jason's got good energy mark's got good energy everybody was kind of feeling good my my coach joshy g who's in the corner over here he's got a good and we're all open-minded so it's like oh let's do this let's do this let's do this and the next thing you know you know, morale picks up and I'm ready to go. So it, it was a good, it's a good kick in the butt. And it's something that I've learned that I need to get me going for the day. On that note, what does your schedule look like? Because when I think about, you know, kind of segmenting my day, I try and prioritize what I want to get done. I know Mark does the same for you. What does that look like? So what does your schedule look like now that you're, you know, now that you have shows all the time, how yeah. many shows do you do in a year? What is the life of a WWE superstar? Cause you're at the, you're, you're at the highest level possible for the WWE. Um, I mean, you've won basically everything you can. And, yeah. and so on a regular basis, what does the lifestyle look like for Seth Rollins? It's chaos. <laughs> you know, it's, it's chaos. We're, we're on the road uh, two-thirds of the year, I would say at least. So, uh, you know, wrestling probably around now 100 and maybe 180 matches a year. 160. 100- 160 to 180 matches a year, I would say, between live events, television, pay-per-view, overseas tours, all that stuff. Um, And then you have travel and media on top of that. So, again, probably on the road and or traveling, uh, 220, 230 days a year would be my guess. Uh, If you're healthy, full-time, used all the time. And I'm in that position where I'm fortunate, 32 years old, in good health, knock on wood. Um, in good health and the company relies on me to do a lot uh, of the legwork as far as promoting shows. But what is a daily? So, okay, you landed yesterday. You went to, you had an event in San Jose today, you have an event in Sacramento. What does that day look like for you? What does the week look like for you? Uh, so a standard week for me is we will leave, uh, our first shows on a Friday. So that's like my Monday, right? So that's how, this is how I segment my week. So, uh, I always have an early flight cause I live in a small town, so I have to connect. So I'll usually, I live in Davenport, Iowa. So our airport's small. So shout out to Iowa. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> regional airport. So it gets all to all the hubs, but it can get me where it needs to go in one stop usually. So I have like, but I'll have a 6am flight Friday morning. So I got to get up, 
do two flights to get to where I'm going. Friday's usually uh, a rest day for me as far as training is concerned because I like to train when I'm home just so I can get in a better groove. So Friday, I'll get into the town. I usually find a coffee. I find some food, just something to relax me and to chill. We'll do the show that night. I'll probably get to the building around 5.30. The show starts at 7.30. I've been on last lately, so we'll get done at 10. Uh, by the time I'm showered and out of the arena, it's 11. Um, then I'll have a drive. So for this week, for example, we were actually in Nashville on Friday. So I flew from home to Nashville Friday, did what I just said. But then we had another flight um, Saturday morning. So we flew Nashville to L.A., met up with Josh. I went over to Paradiso and uh, got in a workout with a couple of our friends there, hung out for a few hours. But then we drove two hours after that, after the workout and some food and coffee. We drove two hours up to Bakersfield because we had an event there. So we had the event again, 7.30, get done at 11. Then after that, four-hour drive. Four-hour drive from Bakersfield to San Jose. So that was interesting. We got in at 3 in the morning. Uh, and had to be at the arena the next day at 11. Mind oh, you, yeah, so so we get in at 3, and that's not go to sleep. That's get to the hotel, like, okay, car's off. So then you got to get in, unpack, do your thing, get ready for bed. By the time you're asleep, it's 4 a.m. But then you got to get up, eat breakfast, and be at the arena by 11. And for me, I'm a, I'm a big football fan, so I had to get up and watch. On the West Coast, you guys start your games at 10 a.m. <laughs> over here. So I'm, like, losing my mind. I wanted to get up Throws and watch. You off. Yeah, I wanted to get up and watch my team. So we woke up, you know, five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, whatever it was, and went and got some food, ate some um, – Ate some breakfast, watched a football game and stuff like that. But I, like I said, I got to be at the building by 11. So we're at the building from 11 until when we leave yesterday, Josh? Eight, nine? Yep. Nine o'clock? So 11 a.m. to nine o'clock, doing work, getting the match ready. It was a pay-per-view, so it was a big, big event. So we're there all day. You had a long match. Um, and then drove here last night, ate some food with some friends and drove here last night. And then, again, woke up this morning. And we tried to maximize sleep. We, we did... Uh, the fasted fasted cardio this morning. Yeah. So we just woke up, drove straight here because I was like, I don't even want to wait. I like you have to decide: do I want to eat or do I want to sleep? And right now, I need to sleep more than I'm going to eat. So uh, we slept a little bit extra, drove here, and did this workout. And then as soon as we're done with this podcast, I got to head over to the arena because we got to be there by noon. And then again, uh, we're taping two episodes of Raw tonight, so I'll be there from noon until uh, ten o'clock. So another ten hour day there, and then. Uh, I was going to red eye out tonight, but I don't think I'll make it. So, again, another 6 a.m. flight home tomorrow. And then usually two, three days off and back out on Friday. But since it's Christmas coming up, we have uh, we have a, a nice stretch here. What's what's interesting is he's he's leaving out, like, so much. Like, he's given us a lot. You're telling us a lot about your day, but he's leaving out, like, how exhausting the promos are. And when he goes backstage, somebody will give him, you know, maybe 150 photos to sign, and, and somebody will give him something else, right? I mean, these are all the things you're dealing with. He might be signing autographs for, like, Make-A-Wish Foundation or these other foundations that, that the WWE works with. And then you're, you know, meeting, like, little kids that have been dying to meet you you know for the last five years and you're you got to be polite to this person and that person backstage and then you're over here cutting another promo for a segment for something else and then you got to go out on screen you know on live television and cut a 15 minute promo and then somebody comes to the ring and you got to remember all the shit that goes on in your match so the physical and mental demand that's on you is like off the charts well i want to add to that right so when you were 18 you decide you want to be a wwe in it yeah and now here where we are where we're at right now x amount of years later what uh you know i don't know 12 years later 13 14 years later yeah i'm sorry my 15th year in wrestling in january whoa so, yeah. 15th year in wrestling right and so you've transitioned through over the last 15 years now i mean you just explained to us a week and there's a lot going on right i mean i think anybody would agree that that's yeah. that's a stressful week and you have a stressful job what's the kind of like the deeper reason why what are you trying to accomplish right now you haven't accomplished or what was what's been the goal over the last 15 years to get you where you're at i mean what, what where does this kind of like internal why or deep drive to kind of keep doing what you're doing to I me mean, it sounds like it's a, it's a hustle it's a struggle yeah i think for me wrestling when i was a kid uh it was like my safe place you know when i was uh really young as you mentioned on the other podcast i talked about the wrestlers that inspired me when i was a really young kid you know they were the superheroes, Macho Man, Randy Savage, the Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, like comic books were cool. They were in these pages and stuff like that. Spider-Man, Superman, but like Hulk Hogan was in the flesh. Like I could go to the show. I could hear Real American Blast. I could see him come out. 
that was a superhero in real life. And so, you know, and, and everything that he preached as, as his character was, you know, good stuff. So I was like, that's my guy. Like, that. that's my superhero. That's who I want to be. And I carried that over when I was younger. But once I grew up kind of in my teens, wrestling also became like my escape. You know, my parents got divorced. Uh, I moved away to a new town. So I didn't have any friends. This is before social media. So meeting people wasn't just like, you know, oh, swipe right, swipe yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, you know, you weren't online, like I aim instant messenger, you go to message boards and meet some weird creep from like Albuquerque or something like that. But you know, if you wanted to meet people when you're 14, I don't have a license. I don't have a car. I didn't know anybody. I couldn't talk to anybody. So I'm going to a new school. So I was like, well, what do I have? I got video games and pro wrestling. So pro wrestling again became like my safe place. So I, I just dove into that. And it was the one thing that like, it kept me bonded uh, with my brother, with my friends back home, we were all kind of on the same page. So like when I would see them, when I would get to go back home, like that was how we came together. And so when we were teenagers, the internet just started to pick up. Like you could, you could get videos online, but it took two hours to download them. And then they were like, you were just staring at the screen every, you know, a percent every 20 minutes or whatever it was. (laughs) Like, Oh, so this was also when uh, backyard wrestling became a big thing because now people could do it in their yard, <laughs> which they were for years, but now yeah. you could show other people that you were doing it in your yard and people were like, oh, we were doing that in our yard too. So me and my friends really bonded over wrestling. We decided to put on our own shows and that's when I realized that I, I, I enjoyed the entertainment side of it. Like I enjoyed being in front of a crowd. I enjoyed being an entertainer and making people feel the way Hulk Hogan made me feel, or, you know, I would do a move or off a trampoline and people would go, Oh, and I would be like, Hey, that's cool. And then I would go to school, you know, the next day and they would be like, Oh man, that thing you did on the, I can't believe you did that. (laughs) And like, that made me feel good. That's what gave me value was like impressing these people in that way. And for whatever reason, couple that with the lifelong passion that I had for the industry and my sort of (sighs) disdain for like, the uh, monotony of everyday life of like, you know, I was you're in high school. What do you want to do for a living? Uh, you got to go to college. I didn't like school. Like I was, I, I've, you know, talked to you, yeah. I've read your book, listened to the way you, way you approach high school. You're like, oh yeah, we just get through it. You know what right. I mean? It was, it was pretty, you know, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to be, uh, you know, well-schooled and intelligent and aware, like you can mosey through high school pretty easily if you want to, which is what I did. And I was fine. I got good grades, no problem. But then I like the idea of going to college for me was like, I just don't want to, I don't know what, I have no passion for anything in that realm. I went for a couple of years, like a year and a half or so while I kind of started my wrestling training, but there was no, I, I couldn't find, I couldn't find a passion for whatever I was being taught. You know what I mean? And whether it was, I couldn't find the direction or the people giving me the information wasn't right or whatever it is, but it wasn't for me. And I just had that I need to try to do something else to get me out of this monotony. Like, I don't want to be that guy going to his cubicle. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, who are you if you just go to your, it just wasn't for me. And I felt that. And I was fortunate enough to feel that early on in my life where I was like, that's going to this nine to five job is just not for me. I've got to do something that I'm passionate about that inspires me, that inspires other people to want to be better than they are. Because if I'm not doing that, then I'm wasting, I'm just wasting time. You know, I'm wasting the time living. Backyard wrestling maybe give you like a false sense of like uh, kind of how good you were. And that's what kind of led you into pursuing wrestling further. Like you thought you were <laughs> doing pretty good, right? And, and yeah, you know, pro uh, backyard wrestling is like a joke, right? So yeah. And in a weird way, it did give me, I mean, I was always a, a, a fairly confident kid. Like, you know, I, I felt good in athletics and played sports mm-hmm. in junior high and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, in a weird way, it did give me like a false sense of confidence that like, Oh, I can, I have to, I'll be all right. I can do this. I mean, it was a rude awakening once I got into the, <laughs> into the wrestling world. And like, you know, I realized that it wasn't as easy as I thought it was, but at the same time it did, that confidence was like, it, it was a jump start. It gave me like a, yeah. a, a you know, ah, you know, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Well, so you were going to school for a little bit and then you were working yeah, and you were traveling to Chicago yep. to go to wrestling school. Yeah, correct. And so you just, did you just know when you graduated from high school, you're like, okay, corporate America isn't for me, but I know wrestling is my vision. Yeah. And you've just stayed true to that ever since. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like I said, when I was in high school, everyone just go, the, the thing is like, oh, okay, you finish high school, you go to college. 
but there was no direct like people most people just don't have a direction they just go to college they get a degree and whatever they get a degree in but there's no passion and i always felt very fortunate that i was able to find uh passion in a specialized area that is pro wrestling and i was able to parlay that into you know being happy and being successful and i don't attribute that to anything but happenstance in the sense that some people just don't, they are just not fortunate enough to find something they're passionate about. You what know, about they, like your parents and friends and family and stuff? Were they like, what are you talking, like, you know, you got to go to college. Like, uh, what are you doing? So the reason, <laughs> the reason I went to college was, um, so I initially moved, there was a wrestling squad in Philadelphia. I was 18. I was like 17. I pretty much decided, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Told my folks I'm doing it. They were like, all right, Okay. Well, you know, they're, they're loving. So they were still supportive. Though. They were supportive. Apprehensively supportive. A- apprehensively yeah. supportive. They gave me a couple bucks. They let me, I never lived outside my house. So at, at 18, I spent the summer after graduation at home. I moved to Philadelphia to try to try this wrestling thing out. I never lived on my own. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't know how to like find a job really didn't i didn't know how to do anything i was really like not self-sufficient what at was all. in philadelphia so ring of honor was a, oh, was a small right. independent wrestling promotion and they had a wrestling school out there there was a, a guy who used to uh, wrestle named cm punk and he was the mm-hmm. head trainer of that school at the time it was the best wrestling school right. in, in in the country and so i was like i want to learn from the best i'm gonna go out there and do this uh, I went out there with a the buddy, and again, we mismanaged everything, uh, and, and we ended up being there for a month and having to come home. So we co- we come home, and I was pretty, you know, defeated. But I found, like you mentioned, a, a trainer in Chicago. And I was like, I, I still I still want to wrestle. I still love this. I still got to do it. Like I'm not going to be a failure. Um, but my mom's my mom's one caveat for the support was like, okay, you can live in my house, you can pursue this wrestling thing, but you have to work and you have to go to school. Like, that's it. If you're not going to school, like, you can find your own place to live. So it was like, all right, I either find an apartment that I don't have money for or I suck it up and, you know, go to college for uh, a few hours a day. So it was, yeah, that was why I went. Well, I think some people look at you now and they see you on TV and they see your popularity and they and they think it came easy. I mean, a lot of people, I think, think that about anybody Oof. who's made it. But I'm from the beginning, I mean, how long did it take you for how many years did it take you to get to a point where you could actually like support yourself through through wrestling? I mean, you were working another job. Yep. You're going to school. I mean, this was for years, yep. right? I mean, what does that process look like? Because I think it's so simple to look at people who are successful and they always want to cut them down instead of saying, hey, you know what? Colby worked really hard for a long, long time. And that's why he got to where he's at. Yeah. So I, I quit my last like real job when I was 20. Now, again, I was living with my parents, so I was rent-free. But I, I said, Mom, look, things are going well in Ring of Honor. I had just gotten a raise. So I wasn't making enough money to where, like, <clears throat> I could move out of the house. But as long as she let me live there, um, I could I could not work the regular job. I could get paid enough through wrestling to, like, handle all my other bills, uh, help her around the house, do whatever I needed to do chore-wise to, you know, make sure that I was living there was viable for her. And, um and then I could work and, and make better progress because I could focus more. I could put more of my time and energy into what I was passionate about. And she saw, she, she followed my career. So she saw the little steps. She knew the hard work I had put in for the five years, you know, before that. So she, she, cause she was there the whole way. So she saw the little steps, um, the increments of like, okay, he's working. He's getting a little more here, a little more there. Like it was going in a positive direction. So she said, okay, yeah, we'll take yeah, you can do this. We'll take a chance at it. So it's good. She was there. She was supportive. She held me out. And again, I, it was good. I signed with WWE after six years. So when I was 24, uh, I signed with them and, um, you know, they paid me enough to move down to Florida and, and live. Um, and that was like the first time after six years that I was like, I'm living by myself and with m- money that I'm making. Six years. Yeah. Six yeah. years of like... I'm- and that's short, honestly. Like I'm, like I said, I'm fortunate. Most people in my position, they work sometimes 10, 15 years. They don't get those shots. I was very fortunate to be successful, and six years is a, a short period of time in our business for something like that. But you know, I mean, Mark and I are sitting here, and and you know, Mark's <clears throat> achieved a lot of success as well. And I think five years is a long time when you're in something where a lot of people don't even necessarily know what it is. Oh, and yeah. so when you tell someone, Hey, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pro wrestler. It's like, Oh, so, uh, you know, and, and five years, is a long time to be dedicated to that craft yeah. without seeing necessarily like a, a financial return. 
And that's just a, a compliment to your kind of re- dedication and, and resilience because, I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. And I think that's something to take into consideration. I mean, it's impressive to me. You're, for uh, sure. I always call it suffering for the unknown. You know, you're, yep. you're doing something, you're kind of not sure why. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're like, I don't really know what the payoff is going to be, but you're so passionate about it. And you're so maybe even the, the word delusional, <laughs> you know, you think that you're going to be this rock star pro wrestler yep. and no one else can change your mind for some, for whatever reason, like something clicked in your head where this is what I'm going to do. And then as you got closer to it, you probably uh, chased it down even harder and went after it even more. And you're like, I could, I could hang with that guy. I can hang with that guy. I could maybe one day I could be better than that guy. And you kind of start to see it. And when you're closer to it, it makes you even more passionate about it. And you're like, if I get my body a little bit better, if I get a little bit more athletic, like it's game over, then I I can do this, you know? Yeah. The thing with with that too is like, you know, people think, oh, now you've made it. Now it's successful. Now you're living the easy life. When in (laughs) fact, the further, the deeper you get into it, the harder it becomes, the more work it is. Like I'm working harder now than I ever worked. I mentioned those five years, you know, the WWE schedule is insane. The independent schedule, I was only working twice a week. I'd work Friday, Saturday, and then I'd live the rest of them. And those were shows that I wasn't flying to. And, you know, I was driving and I was sleeping in cars and not making any money and stuff like that. Or like, you know, living on my friend's floors and, you know, dirt houses in Michigan or something like that. But it, I was young and it didn't matter and whatever. But like, that was the extent of my work. As far as like actual workload at 32, almost 33, you know, being at the top of the food chain, like now the work, it's more than ever because I'm, I'm all, you got all these dogs underneath. They're gunning, they're yeah, gunning they're, for you. They want that spot. And so I'm, I've got to outwork them. You have now. something to prove every night. Yes. Right. Every single night. Well, Josh, Josh Bridges and I were talking about this, how, you know, if you qualify for the CrossFit Games one year, it's not guaranteed next year. And if you like for you, I mean, every night you have to show up right every single night. And so how do you, how do you overcome that, um, stress for lack of a better term how do you overcome that every night you're showing up multiple times a week you know a lot of people when they're when they have traditional professional jobs they might have to show up every now and then for a big meeting or whatever it may be for you your big meetings occur on a reoccurring basis multiple times a week so what kind of mindset what kind of uh preparation do you do before an event like right before an event to put out your best performance uh, for me, like the performance, I mean, sometimes it's hard. Cause like I said, when you do something 200 times a year over and over and over, it definitely becomes, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I tried to get out of the monotonous nine to five lifestyle, but even, even after I've wrestled, you know, over a thousand matches in my life, like after a while it becomes <laughs> yeah. that, you know, a Sunday in Paducah, Kentucky is like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to go out there and do this thing. Yeah, and it hurts. poison. Right? Yeah. And it hurts, you know? So it's not like you're going out there just to like shake hands and kiss babies. Like I got to fall down and get back up again. And so like it hurts. And so it does become like a, you know, you got to work to get yourself up mentally for that. But for me, every time, no matter what's going on, like as soon as my music hits and I go through that curtain, you get that little adrenaline rush and there's, you know, there's this connection with an audience and that energy, like the energy we had in the gym today when you're feeling down and out, like that energy from the people and like seeing a little girl in the front row, like with my wristbands on or something yeah. like that. Like for her, that's her moment that could change your whole life. You know what I mean? For me, it's another show on a Sunday afternoon, but for her, that moment could change her whole life. You never that know. That could be you going to see Hulk Hogan. That's right? exactly my yeah. point. That's exactly right. my point. So it, that that whole that moment could be everything for her. So like that's what keeps me so moving is, forward. Is that a reflection that you do before? So as soon as you hear that music, that's a reflection that you do in your head. Like every day, you because it's someone's it's someone's moment. Yeah. And, and so that's something you constantly think about. Yeah. I mean, it's something that like, I know it's going to happen. It's like, it, it's going to click for me. Soon. Like, no matter what I'm feeling down, my neck hurts. I'm tired. I'm sore. I'm, you know, I do my, maybe my knees tweaked. Like I, I, maybe I can't, I don't think I can do what I want to do tonight or like whatever it is. I've had a long flight. My feet are swollen, whatever. You know what I mean? Like once I know, like once that music hits and I walk through the curtain and the red lights on, like I'm going to, it's, everything's going to go away for 30 minutes. I can man. I can manage that. If, if you think it's gonna hurt, then it hurts ten times more, right? Uh, usually, yeah. Or <laughs> or sometimes it's the opposite, where like, oh, that's not gonna hurt, and then it hurts like <laughs> way more than I thought, or like the things that hurt. I'm like, oh, what? Why didn't that hurt me? So, <laughs> so I want to talk briefly about your preparation physically. I um, when I look at like the wrestlers physically, I mean, you're in great shape, and you do more acrobatic, for lack of a better term, movements than than most, mm-hmm. right? 
So what type of preparation are you doing ahead of time that maybe others aren't doing or aren't putting as much emphasis on so you could physically perform? You know, what does that look like? I mean, in terms of like your physical preparation going to these matches, obviously you're doing cross on a regular basis. You're working out regularly. Are you doing anything else outside of that? Are you finding coaches? Out, you know, Josh is obviously your, your strength conditioning coach. Do you have other coaches that are helping you prepare for these matches? Uh, I mean, I have, uh, we have like our staff's cool. We got some trainers and, um, and stuff like that. And they do a good job of getting massage there, but I have like a therapist at home that makes sure that I'm taken care of every week and a chiropractor and stuff, which I like to think it's doing something, but who knows? He's like, I, every weekend I go and screw it up. But you know what I mean? At least getting myself aligned for a few days is probably good. So I try to take care of myself in that way. Um, and then, you know, the training really helps. Honestly, it's funny because a lot of times people look at CrossFit and they just think, oh, Metcons. They think metabolic conditioning. They don't understand, like, that it's it, the mindset of just being an all-around athlete is what, changed the game for me as far as like a fitness perspective because the 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 speed of what we do is increased exponentially over the years you know we discussed the old timers the hulk hogan's and randy savages and macho man was a uh you know he was a high flyer for back in his day and all he did was jump off the top rope once <laughs> and now like you said you know it's much more gymnastic related but the speed of the game is just so much faster and that that's just come comes with like i think the attention span of an audience is much shorter now. So it, we have HD cameras. Everybody can see everything that's happening. So the impacts are a little bit harder. Everyone, everyone's moving a little bit faster. You know, you can't watch a 30 minute match with a headlock anymore. Like there's just gotta be so much action. The expectations are higher. And so <clears throat> part of that is, is me. I do that as well, but you have to move with the way the industry's going. And for me, CrossFit and that method of training has just kept me healthy as far as like the mobility is concerned, working on stretching, working on, you know, just your thoracic spine, you know, who thought of thoracic mobility 10 years ago? No one even, no one knew, you know what I mean? No one yeah. even cared about it. And now it's like, oh yeah, that's why I feel better today. Or, you know what I'm saying? So like little stuff like that, it's not just about aesthetics anymore. It can't be. Yeah, I remember I mean? when I went with uh, <laughs> Kelly Sturette, we went to Connecticut and we did a, yeah. a little uh, seminar type thing. And uh, he had you come up and you put your arms over your head and, Kelly was like, this guy's a mess. And I remember everybody else in the, in the audience, like it was all the other wrestlers yeah. they were like, if Seth can't do it, we're all in a lot of trouble. <laughs> like we're all really screwed. Like if he doesn't have the mobility, we're all done for. Yeah. It was just like, and my overhead mobility is better than literally 99% of the people <laughs> on the roster. And the, like, you know, I'm, I've got my arm over my head and, and I'm thinking that's all right. Everybody else is looking at me thinking like, oh wow, that's pretty good. I can't even get my arm. And then and he's like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Kelly's a stickler for it and that's his right. gig. But like at the end of the day, you know, prioritizing just little stuff like that is what helps injury prevention. And, and, it, and in our business, being healthy is the name of the game because we don't, if you don't get, you're not working, you're not making the money. So, well, I want to talk about that. So, you got injured a couple of years ago, yeah. tore your ACL, MCL, and meniscus, and meniscus, all of them. And so, what was that like? Because, I mean, you're on this path from when you're basically, you know, a, a young adult, you're on this path of just like grinding, getting there, getting there, getting there. Then you kind of get there, you do get there, and then all of a sudden it gets taken away from you yeah. in a sense, right? Um, what was that like and how did you overcome that 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 hurdle in your life because had there been any major injuries going in i mean up until that point no and they were all different like i had i'd had a you know so i had i don't want to say it, it wasn't major i had neck surgery when i was like 23 24 uh, but it wasn't like i didn't get anything fused i got nothing put in it was just i needed some extra space for a nerve that wouldn't come unpinched and so it wasn't it was very minimally invasive they went in you know, once the scar healed, I was fine. It was, you know, it was, it was not even two months. So it was no big deal. Um, but the six months of like, oh, your knee's screwed. We're going to have to go in and really do surgery, total reconstruction, take, you know, part of your patella tendon to make a new ACL, <laughs> staple down the MCL, smooth out that thing that you're, there's no way you're coming back in less than six months. You know, it's not going to happen. And so, I imagine every day you're sitting there watching <laughs> these shows and the show goes on and you were the guy. Yeah. And so what was that like mentally to kind of like get through that process? Uh, it was very difficult because that is one thing about our, in the entertainment business, like the show always goes on, you know, and, and, uh, having to face the realization that at the end of the day, as good as you are. And as much as you think of yourself, I was a world champion. When I got hurt, I was the literally on top of the game. I was the world champion. Like you are still just a cog in the machine and understanding that is very humbling. 
And it's important to, to realize that, you know, you can't take for granted what you have. You have to be grateful. There has to be gratitude for those moments. And then it was about, you know, we talked right off the get go about how I'm just a work oriented person. And that's just what I did. I just treated the rehab as work for me. And in retrospect, I wish I would have taken maybe a little more time for myself and enjoyed the time off, but I just not my personality. My personality was like, okay, what's the fastest way we can get this healed? How can I get back to full strength and back and back doing what I love to do as fast as possible? Oh, we need to rehab twice a day. Okay. We'll rehab to, okay. When am I going to work out? I guess in between rehab sessions, cause that's the only time it's going to go two hours here, two hours there. I'll get some upper body in, in between and then sleep for 10 hours to, you know, do what I can. Do we need to do stem cell? Do we need to do PRP? Like what do we need to do to get this done? I'll get it done. So <clears throat> needless to say five and a half months and I was back, but it was, it was mentally very difficult for me at that stage of my career. Brutal. This just in from uh, somebody that you might know, a guy named John Cena. Oh, so I asked John Cena because I, I recall uh, this incident that happened in the ring and Andrew, maybe you can bring it up on the screen there. Um, you know, I thought that Seth Rollins broke John Cena's nose, but this is a <laughs> quote from John Cena. And he said, I ran full speed into those muscular quads. My mistake. His thighs are made out of titanium and twice as strong as a normal human being. So you don't have to feel bad about breaking his nose. He, you know, he messed up and you got strong quads and oh. overpowered him and, uh, busted up his face. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, accidents happen in the ring. They know as the old saying is it's not ballet. And, um, and even in ballet ballerinas get hurt. You know what I mean? They're, they're not made of uh, titanium either. I guess John thinks my knees are, but, um, that's a tough opponent right there. He's pretty jacked. I mean, you got to use more speed and athleticism to beat somebody like that. John's a big guy, but I'm, uh, I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm, I got a couple inches on him. I got to reach, you know? So, uh, yeah, I think it was, um, no, this was a different match, but um, John and I were doing an episode of Monday Night Raw, and there was a uh, situation where I ended up um, kneeing him, and I literally, he, <laughs> he has a tendency to put his head into the movement more than some guys, and the, it was the first time I had done this knee, and, and we did not really talk about it much backstage. It was like one little thing I threw in just to change up the flow, and uh, I felt it. It was the first time I'd ever really hurt anybody in the ring. Uh, did and, you, did you feel it? Oh, I felt his nose. It literally oh. just, I, I heard it. <laughs> it was just a pump, a pop and a crunch. Yeah. And I felt it just smush. And then I, you know, he went down in the corner and yeah, you know, he was a lot of blood and it is, he came back like, uh, uh, it reminded me of, um, and this might be it. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, um, here it comes. Boom. Right there. And down he goes. Yeah, it lo it looks not like much there, but uh, I I got him pretty good, and he he so I I get I get back. Uh, there's the blood. Yeah, so I was I was up against the ropes, and once he realized that he was okay to continue, he came at me like just a bat out of hell. It reminded <laughs> me of the scene, the scene in there he comes. Yeah, see there he comes. Boom. <laughs> that it reminded me of the scene in Fight no, Club. Is he, is he really upset? Like, so what happens? He's probably excited, probably cause, more than cause anything. You, Cause you're in the ring and you know, obviously you can't control everything. Yeah. So, I mean, are you guys, <laughs> what happens behind, behind closed doors with the crew? Is, is there a lot of, what's the, what's the vibe like oh. after, after an event like this? What's the vibe like? Uh, I mean, I'm super apologetic because again, the name of the game is to make it look like you're hurting somebody, not actually hurt them. I mean, John, he's a professional. He's as professional as it gets. He understands, you know, it, He's got big ham hands. He's well, and he, you and John Cena fighting is good for wrestling. Yeah, he's 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 punched somebody. He's punched some dudes in the face from time to time. It's not his first rodeo. So, but I mean, I don't ever want to hurt him. He's our top. He was our top guy. Like, I, and he's a good human being. It's not like I relished in the. You know. Well, he kicked me in the face and gave me a pretty black eye. So you know, <laughs> See, that's payback. Payback. I guess. <laughs> that's all. I was just looking out for my boy Smelly. But yeah, that's I was right. super apologetic, and John was like, "Ah, don't worry about it. You know, no, it's not a big deal." And I'm like, "Well, you know, it's a kind of a big deal." Uh, luckily John, you know, has the best medical team on the planet. So he was able to get like, get it fixed really quick. We, we actually wrestled like two weeks after this and he looked completely normal. What's been the worst of it for you in the ring? Like, uh, you know, I know some of these guys will wrestle, something will happen in the match and their arm goes dead or like, what's been the worst thing you had to kind of battle through? 
Uh, well, the MCL, ACL injury that Jason mentioned, I did, I mean, it tore it in the match. And so yeah. I had to finish the match. Uh, it wasn't much left to do, but, uh, and not, not, not having stability in my yeah. knee was funky. It, it, you know, the tendon, so you don't, uh, like it, it stung a little bit, but it's not like this, uh, you know, it's not like you tear a muscle and it's like just excruciating pain. Yeah. It's like, once it goes, it goes and yeah. there's no feeling. Yeah. You lose stability there. Yeah. There was no stability. So I didn't really understand it. I'd never done it before. I didn't know what was going on. Pain wise. The worst thing that ever happened to me was broke my jaw in the, ma in the match. Literally, uh, we're talking 30 seconds into a match, a guy who didn't know what he was doing formed me, but instead of putting, you know, his forearm in the crook of my neck, he put his elbow into the point of my jaw. Oh my God. So it split. How long did you have to, how long did you have to finish the I match? wrestled for like probably at least 12 minutes after that. 12 minutes? Yeah. And I was 18, maybe, maybe I was 18 years old, right? Like this was the oh. first. So he split my jaw right, <laughs> right down the center. Like it was not like, not on the sides here. It was a little break on the left, uh, like, like left side of the mandible, but it was legit in between my two bottom teeth. So I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, I couldn't close my mouth and this is a little graphic so i apologize but every time i would close my mouth i could feel my jaw separating in the center and it was tearing the tear i could feel it tearing the skin in between my two teeth so <laughs> how I had, long there was the recovery from that so that was only two months as well it was because they wired it shut but not like not like <laughs> only two months and this is when you're 18 you're just so yeah. when you're so i just want everybody to understand when you're 18 <laughs> and you just started your wrestling career yeah you were working for ups or one of these other companies uh, yes i was working for UPS. you were working for ups right yeah. at night yeah that could have been a gimmick four in the morning <laughs> going to school three, three in the morning whatever it was you, yeah well you don't need to talk to anybody at ups so you can have the <laughs> jaw wired shut right well, yeah so it wasn't like a full wire like a kanye west like wired shut it was uh, basically a bottom brace because of the way the the way it broke so normally people break over here, here, and they have to get a large shut door. It doesn't move. But mine was just like a brace on my bottom teeth. So they, they, they didn't separate when I closed my mouth. So it was not the worst situation in the world. I, I do want to ask you something. So you talked about when you got hurt, about hard work and how it was just ingrained in you. I want to float back to your high school days because you said something on an interview I was really intrigued by, how you regret kind of being so closed-minded to people, oh, how yeah. you regretted kind of judging everybody and thinking you were always right and everybody else was always wrong. Yeah. And looking back on it, like you wouldn't go to parties, you wouldn't do things because we're, <laughs> I'm really curious if you could shine some light on that and where you think that stemmed from and then had you overcome it. Cause I'm sure there's other people who are probably either, either they don't recognize they're doing that or maybe they do recognize they're doing that, but they can't overcome it. I don't, I honestly wish I knew where the sense of entitlement came from. I don't know. Uh, it was just, uh, like I mentioned that my friends and I bonded over pro wrestling, but we also felt, um, isolated in our interests. And so when we, we bonded over being straight edge and being into wrestling and being different. And so that, that was just, it became our rallying cry and it was so anti-establishment, you know, that. Because it wasn't wasn't what anybody else was doing. Everyone goes to high school. Like, How oh, weird is that? Being yeah. good is different. Yes, they're <laughs> like, oh, we want to go party. Let's do this and that, and you know, hang out with the upperclassmen, go to football games, get wasted on the weekends, talk about it on Monday, like you know, and and like I had, for some reason that just I was disgusted by it. Like it just I hated it, but it also put me off of being social. Like I was only social within my own crew. You know what I'm saying? And so like it in a way that those blinders kept me focused and helped me along my path. But at the same time, it closed a lot of doors from a personal perspective, just because I was so close minded that it turned people off. That's really weird. Yeah. I was the same way. I didn't go to homecoming. I didn't go to the prom. I didn't go to any of that. I was like, I, I just played football. I lifted. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, I don't know why I can't explain why I was so focused in that way. And so like, you know, head forward and, and, and all that stuff. But I just, it, it, Looking back, I wish that I had been more open-minded to people. Not that I wish that I had done all that stuff necessarily, but I just wish that I had been more accepting of other people and their ways that yeah. they live their life. Because you felt like your way was the only way. And yes. you didn't understand why anybody would not be that way. Yes. And so if someone's in that situation today, let's just say they're in high school, they're a WWE fan, they're a Seth Rollins fan, and they kind of find themselves uh, being the same way. Maybe they're straight edge. Maybe they're just different. I mean, who cares? Everybody's yeah. different, right? Um, what would you tell them? What would be the advice for them to overcome that? Because I'm, uh, you looking back on it, you probably miss out on a few things, but it also kind of led you to where you're at today. Yeah. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything, but what would you have done different? I think, um, 
understanding if I, if I could tell like, you know, 15 year old Colby, Seth, whatever that, you know, if I gave him one piece of advice, it'd just be to understand that everyone has different shoes to walk in, right? Everyone has a different story. I think it's so easy to, you know, look at the world through your own lenses to look at through your own perspective, but it, it takes so much to step outside yourself and really try to understand that everyone's got their own stuff going on. Everybody's got their own path, their own story, their own shoes. And no matter what, like, even if you have these differences or these similarities, you're never fully going to be able to understand how people experience life through their own set of eyes, through their own mm -hmm. personal experience. Cause that's the only way we can experience existence, each other, love, these feelings, all these things. That's the only way we have them is through our own personal experiences. And so you're never really going to be able to get how other people see things. And I think once I started to understand that as an adult, it really changed my perspective on, on, uh, how I interacted with other human beings. You'll be shocked at the things you can get when you help other people too. So like maybe the way that you were, maybe it wasn't open to like helping somebody that might be like that because you're like, that has nothing to do with anything I want to be part of. And you might look down on that person kind of, right? Yeah. And, and it, you know, whether that's a natural instinct or something that's been, you've learned or whatever, but yeah, that is, the, I think sometimes when things are different, your first instinct is to scoff at it is mm. to you know turn turn away to it or or like you said look down on it and i think if you have a more open-minded approach and, and again try to try to put yourself in that person's shoes and understand how they got to that place mentally or how they arrived at this location in their life it'll it'll give you a sense of gratitude it'll humble you a little bit let you understand that again we're all we're all different we all have different stories and even though we're all connected everyone's got their own lenses to see life through I, I agree a hundred percent. So switching gears a little bit, um, right now you have, you're at the top of the game in WWE. What, what are the goals for Colby right now? What, what are you trying to accomplish that you haven't accomplished? Because when you set out at the age of early age, you're like, Hey, I want to be a WWE champion. Boom. Done. I want to be on the cover of a, I don't know, video game. Done. Whatever. Right. You, you get these things that kids only dream of. Yeah. And now you've accomplished those. And, you know, I know I probably speak for Mark in saying this, and you could agree with me, is that for myself as well, I try and set goals. And then sometimes when I accomplish them, I'm just on to the next one. I don't even, I don't even um, realize that I had worked so hard for that goal. I need to be appreciative of that and like enjoy it. Yeah, I think I'm always thinking about the next thing, <laughs> yeah. right? And I, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and so for you in your life, where are you at right now? Because you've accomplished so much. And I know that you you have your uh, wrestling school, yeah. which is a whole different, you know, new uh, challenge and probably comes with a ton of benefits. But from a wrestling and from a life perspective, what are you trying to do in the next couple of years? Uh, so for me, uh, in, in wrestling, there's a few things that I've... So you mentioned some of those goals, right? Uh, you know, I've won world championships. I've main evented pay-per-views and stuff like that and um, had good matches and been able to travel the world and see things through my job that most people don't get the opportunity to do, which is fantastic. And that, I think, alone has helped me gain a lot of perspective about my own life and be able to, you know, even say the sentences that I just said to you just a little bit ago. Uh, so that's all great for me. Uh, personally, on a, on, on a professional level, I want, I still want a main event WrestleMania. That's the big one for me. Um, you know, I've, I've been on a cover of a video game. That was never even a goal of mine. I never even thought that was a possibility. You know what I'm saying? It's a damn good goal. Yeah. Though. <laughs> yeah I never even thought, oh yeah, one day I'm going to be on the cover of the WWE video game. <laughs> that's that, cool. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's, yeah. a, that's like one of those that was like, whoa, what really? Yeah. Uh, but for me, I want a main event WrestleMania. You know, the WrestleMania you came to at Levi's in San Jose, I was fortunate enough to walk away at the end of that one with the world heavyweight championship, but I wasn't uh, in that match per se. You know, I cashed in my briefcase that you love to reference that i've been carrying around for over a year and uh well, because you brought that up could you just briefly explain <laughs> money in the bank yeah. can you just briefly explain that you brought that with you everywhere everywhere yeah i, I carried the money in the bank briefcase which is uh, essentially a uh, a symbolic of a, a contract that i can cash in anytime for a shot at the wwe world heavyweight championship i used to have to carry it 
everywhere. I want it in like June. When you say everywhere, what do you mean by that? I mean everywhere. I mean anywhere I would travel, there was a pro wrestling show or an appearance appearance related to WWE. I had it with me. So like it was my carry-on on my airplanes. I'd bring it into the gym. It, it, I had it everywhere. Like there's no, anywhere I would go, it was with me. It was, it was obnoxious, <laughs> really obnoxious. But so I cashed that sucker in in the main event of WrestleMania, walked out with a title. But the match was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Like my goal is to the last match on WrestleMania, the one that puts all the butts, you know, in the seats right. is whatever, whoever versus Seth Rollins. That's to me always been my goal. Uh, you know, from day one, that's like WrestleMania is the pinnacle of our business. That's like, you're the Super Bowl MVP that night. Right. Know? So that's, that's kind of what I wanted. Um, on a, on a personal level to me, you mentioned the wrestling school and I've been doing that for four years now. Um, and that's like, to me, I think that'll be my greatest legacy, which is saying a lot because I've done, you know, I've created some moments that people were going to remember forever, uh, I think, in wrestling. But I think the information that I've been able to provide for these kids uh, who, you know, again, may not have had a direction. All they've got is this passion for pro wrestling in their lives. They're inspired by Seth Rollins or whomever. They know that I've got a school. They pack up their stuff from germany or whatever and move over to davenport iowa <laughs> for three months and learn how to wrestle and some of them stick around man some of these kids that move from wherever they they live now in davenport iowa in the quad cities area and we, we've really started to build a full a community out of it and i think that was one of the things i never really aspired to when i was younger it was beyond me i didn't have the i didn't like oh, i don't care about anybody else but my own goals but now I find uh, a lot of value in helping out other people in my community, especially these guys and girls who are younger, who have the same passion that I have, or think they have the same passion that I have, uh, and trying to cultivate that and get them to the next level, to be the next Seth Rollins or bigger mm -hmm. than me or whatever it is, you know, but I have this information, this wealth of knowledge that I've accumulated over 15 years of doing this, and I'm able to pass it along to them at an early stage in their their career and their early development and hopefully put, you know, they're not going to understand everything they're hearing, but hopefully you, you plant the right seed and it'll pave the way for not just them, but an entire future of future generation of, of pro wrestling. So I'm hoping that that'll be my biggest contribution. We've put the gym in a really cool location in my hometown in downtown Davenport. Uh, I, I'm investing in a, a little coffee shop next door. Hell yeah! So I give, like yeah, giving giving people a little taste. There's no there's no great coffee shops in Iowa. We're a little behind on the time. So like, I'm a huge like third wave coffee craft coffee guy. So um, for me, I wanted to take something that I I travel the world and get to try all this wonderful coffee. I wanted to take something that I love and give it back, give it to my community. And you know, hopefully they'll enjoy it as much as I do. But here's like a little taste of something that's fantastic and I don't think you guys get enough of. So to me right now, that's sort of what I'm focused on personally is just building a better community through whatever means I can. And mm. wrestling has been great to me and has given me the opportunity to do that. Huge collegiate uh, wrestling state, Iowa, right? Yes, it is. Yes, I'm trying cool. to bring the pro wrestling game yeah. up a little bit. But yeah, uh, University of Iowa is huge in college wrestling. We're always top five. Right. So I've been to uh, Dubuque, Iowa, hit, went to the convention center over there and benched 800 pounds some years ago. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's it. That's how, it. how far <laughs> yeah, is that right. from where you're at? Dubuque's about an hour north. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, right up the road. It's actually uh, halfway between uh, Davenport and Madison. There we so, go. So just kind of like the last note here is you have your business, which is obviously wrestling. You have your fitness, which is, you know, you mainly do CrossFit. Um, but on uh, your family or, or personal level, how do you balance having a relationship, <sighs> right? with also being on the road so much. And, I, and I'm curious. He's going to get in trouble now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just curious for people who are listening who, you know, I don't think more is always better, but I think just better, more attention is, is always great. And I'm curious if that's the way you live with your girlfriend, meaning when you're home, you're present, you're with her, you're developing a relationship because you're on the road so much. What do you do to keep that relationship tight because you're gone almost 50% a year, if not more? Yeah, I mean, it is very difficult. I'm not going to lie. Dating me is not easy. <laughs> it is not easy at all. I mean, I work set when, when our wrestling school is in session, I work seven days a week. So I mentioned the four days that I, you know, yeah. that I do the Travel. stuff on the road. But when I'm home, those are the days the wrestling school is open. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
I'm at the school for a little bit of time at least. And that's where my gym is too. It's a, it doubles as a gym. So, you know, training is a priority. Wrestling school is a priority. Uh, for me, it's the same way. I don't have time is, n- I don't have a lot of it. I don't have a lot to give. So if you're dating me and you're looking to spend a ton of quality time together and take vacations and all this, I don't have that, you know, and she knows that. But when I am with her, and it's, we do have our time. Like you said, it's the quality of time that you spend, not the amount of time that you can give. So yes, when you are home, it's again, it's trying to be present in that moment. There's so many distractions. 2018 is the year of the distraction. You know what I'm saying? So trying to eliminate those as much as possible and focus in on what time you have to just be with that person and just putting that focus on them, uh, I think gives them a little bit of the patience to understand, you know, that you have to go again on Friday morning. Is so, there anything in particular you do when to, to do that? Um, like a little technique or like trick? I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything for that, man. Like I, you know, I, I, this stupid little device right here, I just, oh. I've done my best holding up a cell phone. I know yeah. you guys can't see this, but this, you know, I, I've tried to, I tried my best to uh, separate uh, Colby Lopez from Seth Rollins. Uh, in that sense that when I'm with her and granted that, you know, my career is such a big part of my life that you, it's going to, it's part of me. You know what I mean? You can't separate it entirely. Like you, if you love me, you're going to love Seth Rollins as well. That's just part of the gig. You know what I'm saying? But understanding that the, you know, she just wants time with that person. So put this thing away, sit down, have a conversation, engage, ask real questions, appreciate real answers and listen. Cause nine times out of 10, she doesn't want to hear about, she don't want to hear about how my day was. You know what I mean? She just wants me to talk to her about her day, care about how she feels and stuff like that. So giving the, giving her the quality of attention she needs, I think is important and understanding that it's not, you know, the time you do give to your relationship, whatever that may be, like that's her time or, you know, his time, whoever you are, but that's their time um, that they're getting from you. So make that worth their while. Cause otherwise, like I said, it is hard. It is hard to date me. It Does re- she travel with you at all or goes go to some shows here and there? Well, I describe <laughs> my schedule and normal people don't want to do that. Right. They don't want to do that. And and that's it sucks, dude. Like it's you know, uh Joshy comes with me sometimes and he sees it. He a understands. lot of sitting around. Yeah, and, yeah. Right? It's a lot of like, okay, well, I have to be at the building for ten hours. <laughs> right. And you know, I'm like you mentioned, I'm signing pictures, I'm meeting yeah. people, I'm talking about yeah. the match, I'm trying to you know, rewrite this promo or, you know, things change on the fly. You never know what's going to happen. So like, you know, it's work, but it's also a ton of downtime and the travel's cool, but it's not, like I said, I'm not, I've gotten to see things if I go out of my way, but a lot of, a lot of the weeks, it's just, you're at the gym, you're at the hotel, you're at the arena. That's it. Yep. Those are the only things I see. I've made it out of go, you know, I go out of my way to get the coffee for 15 minutes, but <laughs> of course, yeah, but, but yeah, you know, she, she'll travel every once in a while when we're in the same town for a while, when we do our big events, WrestleMania, you know, we're in New York for a week. I'll bring her up for the week, New York. We can have cool. some, we'll have time. We can actually like plan a couple dinners out or, you know, and she can go see some things that she hasn't seen or we're in Phoenix for the Royal Rumble coming up here in January for a few days. So, you know, maybe she's got a friend in Phoenix or something, you know, but I'll bring her out for a few days. That way she can actually get the experience of being in the city and not just like, oh, I want to go to sleep in the car because your schedule is insane. So, yeah, (laughs) I I do my best to to try to accommodate that. But at the end of the day, it is work. So. Well, I got to tell you, man, you're a guy who's uh, put in work for a long time. I know Mr. Uh, Mark Bell over here has as well. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, hearing more about kind of the background, especially what you were talking about with high school and how you were, you know, pushed off, uh, other people's opinions. I think that's really powerful stuff. I know you have to go to a show tonight. Uh, we wish you all the best in Sacramento to go out there and crush it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, where, where can people find you at if they want to know more about, uh, Seth Rollins? Uh, yeah, everything on socials, WW Rollins. So Twitter, WW Rollins, um, Instagram, WW Rollins. Don't do a Snapchat. Um, <laughs> Facebook is, uh, private. So don't worry about that. Uh, those are the only two socials you really need to worry about. Otherwise, like I said, we got some good stuff coming up, a ton of live events in January, all over the country. And then we'll be in Phoenix at the end of January for a week for Royal rumble. Uh, if you are a fitness enthusiast and you want to come to Phoenix and watch pro wrestling, we're also probably going to be doing uh, another dead boys seminar with my, my coach and I, Joshy G. So that's basically a community workout for everybody who wants to come hang out and learn a little bit about CrossFit. Um, 
and and that's it, man. Then we're just moving, marching towards WrestleMania in April. So yeah, check me out online, tweet me, DM me, whatever you want to do, comment, like, whatever. Last question: uh, When you're uh, on the road, what do you uh, what do you listen to? How do you like educate yourself? You're reading books, you listen to audio books, you listen to podcasts. Uh, yeah, so I I like music on the road, like when I'm driving. Well, I listen to a podcast every once in a while. Like uh, I keep up on Jason's just because it's very interesting to me. But like. Um, I can't get too deep into it. Sometimes if I listen to people talk for too much, I get sleepy. So <laughs> I can't do that. So I like music when I'm like driving, driving, but I do love to read as well. Uh, there's an author that I've really taken to. His name's Yuval Noah Harari, and he's written a, a few books. The big one's called Sapiens. And it's based, oh, yeah. Yeah, Sapiens is, uh, he, he did that one. He did Homo Deus, and now it's like 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. It's a big book, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. Yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a lot of words. Um, but uh, I think it's like, it should be required reading or audio book, if that's your thing, uh, for anybody. It's such an amazing um, perspective on human history. Um, and he's my, he, that's what I've been focused on lately. So um, otherwise, I'll, I like a good Netflix binge. And when I'm at the hotel, I can sit back and watch some Blue Planet or something like that and learn about the oceans. So yeah, cool. yeah. All the things I hated in high school, now I like to learn about philosophy and, <laughs> and, and animal life and all this weird stuff, science and stuff. So uh yeah it, it's funny how that how that comes around but yeah that's i try to stay busy when i have the time and i'm i'm i actually can spend it otherwise it's coffee shops and uh nintendo switch there you go <laughs> cool <laughs> all right guys well, have a great day